The first reading is from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that fills it, the compass of the world and all who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and set it firm upon the rivers of the deep. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who can rise up in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who have not lifted up their soul to an idol, nor sworn an oath to a lie. They shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a just reward from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, of those who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of King, the King of Glory, shall come in. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who is mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And the second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, and can be found on page 7 the New Testament section of the Bible. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Sue. May we pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings, help us to be wise and to allow you to graciously rule and take charge of our lives. Help us now in the silence, in the stillness, to receive your Holy Spirit, the one given to point us to Christ in whose dear name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm not sure this is about uh, meeting the monarch. Uh, this is about experiencing, perhaps even today, something of Jesus who is king. And we're going to reflect in the main on Psalm 24, which simply put is a great psalm describing the fact that God is king. And we're going to come to some of those reflections in a moment as we look at Psalm 24. 
If you ask the New Testament, if you ask the Scriptures, and notice King Charles was given a very, very special Bible. We can all have Bibles to hand. The question is whether we open them and read them. And when we read it, we really need to heed it and act on it. That's the wise thing to do. The not-so-good thing to do is you've just heard. Pretty foolish. But the Bible says we, first of all, I urge you, first of all, to pray for kings, for queens, and for all those in authority. That's 1 Timothy 2, chapter 1. Paul says that very clearly. So whatever else in your mind yesterday was about, I have to think the Anglican Church did a halfway decent job, bound to say that, being paid to wear these things. But we all get the sense of it, don't we? If someone is at the top and they're not right, things aren't going to work underneath. So we pray for kings, for queens, and all in authority. And the reason simply given in 1 Timothy 2 is that we may live peaceful, godly lives. That last phrase is important. Life lived without God is kind of foolish, doesn't really work. Life lived with God is wise, as we've just heard. Back to Psalm 24. This was the greatest, most important day in King David's life. It came at a part of Israel's history when the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing God's presence with his people, came to that most holy of city, Jerusalem. And great celebrations, probably even surpassing what was on the telly yesterday, albeit for a religious sect, seemingly seen by an outside observer. But Psalm 24 was read in David's hearing as the sense of God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, came to the centre of Jerusalem to make the very important fact known. This was God's idea. And when he has an idea, he tends to want to make it work. He can do that. He's God. The Ark of the Covenant comes to Jerusalem. And what was read out is, you've guessed it, Psalm 24. King David, do remember these things. There's lots there in Psalm 24. But I'm going to pick out at least three things that describe something that's true that describes a reality that's always going to be there and will describe something too if our hearts are open that can really bless our lives. That's what that Ark of the Covenant was about, symbolizing the fact that God was going to be with his people. Perhaps even think to yourself as you're listening to me now, hmm, is God really with me at this moment, tomorrow, next month, next year, at the moment of my end? Is God as king there in charge of everything? So the greatest day in David's life, Psalm 24, was read out. Three simple but deeply profound affirmations that do need not just to be heard, 
but to deeply be heeded. It's there in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. You and I, in other words, everyone on planet earth is the Lord's. Remember that, David. Remember that, God's people, that you've been made by the Lord. That's verse 1. Verse 8 describes the Lord as strong and mighty in battle. I have to say hats off to Penny Mordaunt who had that lovely blue regalia and that heavy sword symbolising something of battle. The Lord is, some versions describe it as a warrior. The Lord is mighty and strong in battle. Why do we need to heed that if God is king? If his presence is to be with us? Well, if the earth is the Lord and he's made everyone in it, everyone in the earth knows that in some way, shape or form, they are less than they could be. They're somehow diminished. Doesn't mean you get up in the morning and you say, oh, crumbs, look at me now. I need some help. But it means to say that as every day goes by, we diminish. We do get older. Sometimes we damage ourselves. Certainly sometimes other people damage us. And someday it will come to us that the earth is the Lord and everything in it and we will cease, we will die. Well, if the affirmation of God's presence is there, that God is king and his presence is with us. What good is it if the earth is the Lord and everything in it and we are diminished, we're damaged and destroyed? I'll tell you what's good. The Lord is mighty in battle. Everything that he has made that has potentially got diminished, he can remake just before Psalm 24 if you go back a couple of Psalms you'll read Psalm 22 and it's the story of Jesus' prayer on the cross the Lord is mighty the Lord is strong in battle but he doesn't come and take a sword he comes to his people and remakes what we have destroyed, what we have damaged, what we have diminished, and says, I've got it. I'm strong. I'm mighty. I can take care of you. And this is what you need, Psalm 22, to be taken care of. The Lord on the cross. Not with a sword, bless you. And that's the way the Lord wants to bless us. Psalm 24 verse 10 has the Lord is king. The earth is the Lord and everything that is in it were made by him. Everything that happens to us can be repaired by God because he's the Lord, mighty in battle, even death itself can be overcome. But the Lord is king. 
And so the best way to live life is by having someone that knows what they're doing who is in charge of our lives. You can tell people that have met the monarch stories to tell, but you can sometimes tell people that know that there's someone there, that knows that there's someone there looking after their lives, that for all that life is, they've made the decision to say, I will let go of it, and I will let someone else take charge. In other words, I will let not just King Charles be king, but I'll let Jesus be king. I'll let him guide me. Of course, when Jesus was put on the cross, there are always going to be people who say, I will not have this person rule over me. I will live my life my way. I will take charge of it. When the Ark of the Covenant came to Jerusalem and David's greatest day as King David was there and God's presence comes amongst his people, you need to remember that we're made by the Lord. Things that affect us, that get in the way of God's presence can be dealt with by the Lord. But it's only if we truly let this Lord be king in charge of our life. Why is it that some people don't want to do that? They protest. They're anti-monarchy. They're anti-Jesus. To be honest, I genuinely don't really know. But I can put a microphone under people who have said, how is it that you've let Jesus into your life? How is it that he's taken care of you? How is it that you're not afraid to hand to him your life and let him be in charge? And most of them would say something like this, in keeping with Psalm 23, as we've been praying. The king of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. If someone who rules and is in charge is perfectly corrupt and evil, everyone underneath gets stuffed. Therefore, pray for kings, princes and rulers. But if the one at the top of the tree is love, everyone does get blessed. The big question is, Will we let him rule over us? None of us who have made that beautiful and sometimes tentative step that says, yep, I'm here on planet Earth and I recognize that maybe not everything's going as it should be and I need help. It's even the case that people who get to that point will recognize that even I need help to ask for help to be loved. There was a most profound movement yesterday in the service behind the screen. Of course, no one could see what was going on behind the screen. <laughs> but he was anointed, this is Charles III, with oil. Guess where that oil had come from? The Mount of Olives, where Jesus knelt and wept 
and prayed with thee, the God who he allowed to be in charge of his life, that his life could be laid down for your life, and that oil was blessed even at the service from someone in Jerusalem. The place where Jesus died. The King of Kings who reigns not in Buckingham Palace but in Jerusalem, AD 30. The King of Love, my shepherd, is giving his life for you. Don't say, oh, I will not have this person rule over me. Open your heart just a little bit and say, Lord Jesus, be my king. Lord Jesus, bring me your love. I don't want to be ended. I don't want to be destroyed. I've got damage. I've got things that are less than good for me. But you made me. You're strong and you're mighty in battle. And you can take care of that. People who have really met Jesus will recognize that. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. Or perhaps with your life going the way it's going at the moment, you need to fully let Jesus take control again. We're going to let the choir sing to us in a moment as a means of prayer. And it's prompted by the fact that on, in 1625, Charles I uh, was coronated as king of this country. And the Holy Spirit is invoked, seeking the help he needs to follow God. And every coronation that's happened since then has had that beautiful song sung. And it simply says, Holy Spirit, come to me that I can allow Jesus, the Lord is King, to be in charge of my life. Let me know this King of love, whose shepherd is, and whose goodness faileth never. As we listen to these words, open your heart to the Holy Spirit and allow the King's love to be upon you. Allow the King's rule to direct you. No one will know what's going on behind the screen of your life, but he will, and you'll meet him. That, friends, is what it's all about. The Lord is king. He wants to be with his people. He came supremely in Christ, who in Jerusalem burst forth from the tomb. And he's alive forevermore. Charles is not king. God is king. That's what Psalm 24 says. And each of us today has a unique moment in our lives to say, yes, I'm going to allow Jesus to be king of my life too. Thank you.